Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen and ladies, welcome to another week of the Medicine Ball Podcast. You could have chose to spend your Timoleons, that's my currency for time by the way. You could have chose to spend those anywhere and you chose to spend them with me, I appreciate it. Before we get into it, let my beat drop. Yes, yes, welcome to the Medicine Ball Podcast with your boy LS3 to be exact. If you ain't in shape, at least your brain should be. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Medicine Ball Podcast where we focus on giving your brain a six pack by exercising your mind. Now exercising your mind means that you actively think about and deal with all situations by first seeking to do anything other than what you are normally programmed and or comfortable in doing. I already know most people aren't used to this way of thinking, but just like anything you want to get better at, it requires dedication, practice, and hard work. Now, if you're not someone who looks for alternatives as opposed to reacting in ways that require little to no effort, because we already know that's much easier, this will first require that you begin to look at things from an unbiased point of view, which in itself will increase your curiosity in life. Now, exercising your mind won't give you all the answers. You will, however, begin to live with more understanding patience, love, while simultaneously equipping yourself with more tools and strategies to help you deal with this thing called life. Now before we go any further, I'm no doctor, I'm no psychologist or psychiatrist. I have, however, been diagnosed with bipolar disorder level 1 for 16 years. And it got to a point in my life where I was looking at the person I was becoming versus the person I wanted to be. And that did require me to take a look at my mental health responsibly, among other things. Now y'all already know, I look at the reports, I look at the numbers, and right now, one out of every four Americans themselves say that they think they suffer from some sort of depression. So whether or not you diagnose, or you know someone who's diagnosed, or you know a loved one who is, or you're one of the many people who I'm sure can deal with some hacks to help you deal with this thing called life, E-L-E, you already know, everybody love everybody. Pull up a seat, kick up your feet. Welcome to Medicine Ball. Let's get right into it. This week's episode, season two, episode 18, Beauty in the Beast. Let's go. All right, all right, let's get right into it. Yo, welcome, y'all, to another week. Real quick, yo, and (laughs) this is probably going to explain the episode. I'll be so silly, but let me hit these church announcements real quick. (laughs) Nah, let me give some announcements real quick. So um, the Xbox drawing is a go. I'm going to drop something in the end of this episode or somewhere in this episode. We're going to reference back to it, but it's going to be used to enter you into a drawing. I have also teamed up with my brother, 3D Kicks. You could go search that on Instagram right now. He got like 100,000 followers, but um, I've also teamed up with 3D Kicks. If you're somebody who's looking for exclusive shoes, like that thing is a whole culture. Now, let me be clear on this. If you're someone who's going to hit me up like, yo, what's your brother got in stock? This ain't the service for you. If you're someone who knows that those new Travis Scotts are going to be out next month and you want to get the jump on it and make sure you secure a pair, this is the service for you. If you want them exclusive Kanye's that aren't out on hand and you want to be able to get them, this is the service for you. 3D Kicks. Search it on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. That's my brother. But long story short, I teamed up with him and um, I'm going to do it. So basically, y'all going to get a two giveaways. Y'all going to get two giveaways because I teamed up with him and... I think I'm going to post it on my Instagram. I ain't even going to tell y'all what he got, but he spent a little bit bread. He's not a cheap dude. Um, it's awesome what I have with that as well. Um, it is some items in there. Uh, one of them is a puzzle. So I'll go ahead and tell y'all what one of them is. One of them is like a Lego puzzle of an Air Force One. And I think that's dope because we stuck in quarantine right now. And like, I'm going to put a picture up on it. I really want it. To be honest, but he came to me and told me to give it away. But we stuck in quarantine right now, and I think a lot of people are struggling with ways to entertain themselves or to keep their mind free. So he included that along with some other stuff. And like he used to do tech, so it's some stuff in there related to AirPods, all that. 
be looking out for it. I'm going to drop uh, for the Xbox thing something in this uh, program or something in this episode in reference for that. I'm going to hit y'all with two giveaways, all right? Y'all do so much to support me. I'm going to give y'all a chance to actually get something and be a man of my word. All right. With no further ado, season two, episode 18, Beauty and the Beast. Um, Yo, real quick, before I get into it, shout out to y'all. Um, I'm doing more stuff with these giveaways and I'm being more active on Instagram and Facebook and I can see the traction. I see the numbers going up and like, I'm not a person like I know I put in work, but I know how important it is for people to believe in what you're doing, to share it, to spread word of mouth, to put you up on it. So, yo, that's why I'm doing these giveaways. I really want to take this time to say, yo, if you follow me, support me, if you like the content, if you don't, even if it opens up your mind and you press play and listen to it. I appreciate y'all. Uh, keep rocking with me. Um, and like I told you, I just got accepted to iHeart and one other one as well. But I'm growing. So thank y'all. All right. Season two, episode 18, Beauty and the Beast. So um, I've already I've always known my whole life. Like I kind of had a knack for performance for audiences, for catering the audience to being on stage. And there's VHS footage of like me being literally three years old, three years old. And I'm the master of ceremony for a whole Christmas program. So it's just like at my age now, currently, I kind of see now more so how special that really is. But I already knew it. So fast forward, I went to a Gwinnett County school. I talked to you guys about it. It's a 5A school in Georgia. Um, around that time, the big thing was Parkview, which was in that district. They had their own stadium with the little billboard up there with like the vision, the Parkview vision. It was on the Wheaties box. All of that to say that um, this county has some money in it. So when we would get involved into these acting things, I did graduate as an international honor thespian and it had money behind it. We was traveling to do plays. They was only picking the best people to act in some of these performances and it'll break your heart and hurt your feelings. You study for a monologue and it's like, yo, you can do the one that we do for the parents. But when we go travel to competition, it's a wrap. All right. So because I went to this school at this time, it was highly dominated by white people. And that to say that that helped me and hurt me when it came to getting parts, because, you know, some people might not want me to play Romeo if it means to, that I'm going to be kissing their you know white daughter on the lips. And I mean, I just got to I just got to call it the way it is like. And to my knowledge, all of the women, the young ladies who was in those positions, like and I'm not calling them out or anything, but they was with it. It wasn't like they was like, oh, I don't want to kiss the black guy. Nah, they was with it. But. I have to believe in some situations that uh, behind the scenes, there might have been a conversation that was had. So at this time, we did Beauty and the Beast and I was getting it. I was content because it was like I, I, I had just landed uh, Daddy Warbucks for Annie and I hadn't shaved my head yet. But I had also landed like Kaniki for Greece. Right. And I think I had landed Tibble. But it was like I never, to my knowledge, in that situation. Um, and it was probably, you know. I have to say race playing a part, but like I was never like and not to down talk anybody who was, but I was never like the spoon. You see what I'm saying? Or the walking dish or anything like that. I always had a part that stuck out in some way, shape or form. Number one, I'm black and this is a predominantly white cast in the situation. Number two, I did my thing. You feel what I mean? So um, I'm just trying to kind of set this up for y'all. So, um, it, it, you know, it was important about parts and whatnot, but, you know, I digress. But anyway, like, Beauty and the Beast. So I get casted at, as Gaston, right? And I always judge my level of acting with my man, Phil Pickens. Phil, if you listening to this, I just added you on Facebook, man. It was kind of like a, um, 
a nemesis, but like a respectful, a gentleman's nemesis. So it's like, I always knew that I had got a dope part if the other person was Phil. And so many times Phil was the other, my counterpart in whatever I did. He was the counterpart. He was cast on because we had a sword fight and everything. So I get gassed on. I'm content. And um, Beast has to come up. And, of course, the prince. Now, we had a little money in this department. So, like, there were two different people who played these roles. Now, me, Gaston, as y'all have seen the movie, is the guy who comes off as, like, the arrogant, brash guy trying to holler at Bill. You know, a suitable guy. You know, I was with it. I was cool. I was happy. I was getting enough parts. But I was still like, yo, the Beast. Now, the Beast was played by a young man named Rich Hummel. Shout out to Rich, man. And he was dope, too. But Rich was just kind of like a rock guy. Like, he put me on a Metallica. And he was, like, rough around the edges. Like, not to me, but I could see how people would be like, yo, he don't. Like, why my man couldn't play Beast and the Prince is what I was saying. Randy Kemper ended up playing the Prince. He was an upperclassman. Theater politics, man. I ain't going to get into it, man. But um, one thing that I noticed very early on with Rich, because he was highly talented, is like, this dude had to get up under the table and all of the Beast makeup and the hair. He was already kind of a hairy guy, but also the extra hair. And he was up under that table for like, 30 minutes to 40 minutes because he had to stay there until the transformation happened and they had to take a swap places. So everybody was like, man, I couldn't be the beast. Like it's an important role, but this dude had to hide up under the table and he, he, he doesn't really like, did I have the sword fight with him? I think I did have the sword fight with Rich. He was my man because he was the beast when we had the sword of fight as a guy star. And he was like, he gets this little sword fight. And then like at the end of the performance, like he's like whisked away. And then Randy, the prince is brought back. I couldn't be the beast. But I saw the beauty in the beast. Now, this is going to be like kind of a double entendre where I'm going with this. All right. So my thing was, I was a real despian. I was really, like, into it. Like, we studied films. Like, I got monologues I could spit. You know what I mean? Like, I was really, I was living that life. I was into it. Um, But it's like, I understood how much Rich had to sacrifice. And I kind of understood that even though to the audience, it didn't seem like maybe, or to maybe to the tech people or the stagehands, it didn't seem like a part that they would really want versus what they show you in Disney, on the Disney movie. I was like, yo. This dude got to remember his lines, be selfless, like, because you got to remember, we teenagers, we not grownups, we like 16 at this time, so, like, you got to be very mature in order to handle that situation, and we're here to talk, and be able to deal with it, and my man, like, had to carry a lot, not only did he have to hide under that table, he had to remember a choreographed um, sword fight with me, as well as all his lines and control his emotions as the beast. Like that was asking a lot. So what I really understood was like, yo, I want to be the beast because they understand his range and his ability as an actor. They understand what he can do. Like he's ultimately selfless. I don't think anybody else could have played that part, but rich because he was just that type of dude. He was, he was humble enough to like looking back on it I, I just realized it was a beautiful thing to be cast as that role, not for the appearance of the audience, but because of what would have to be asked of like a 15 or 16 year old to deal with all the drama. So Beauty and the Beast, I saw the beauty in it. And even the movie itself, even the story itself, like it's crazy, like stuff be so 
obvious. We'd be oblivious to it. But it wasn't about like that's what the story was about. It wasn't about she was marrying a prince. It was about she saw something beautiful in him. She brought the beauty out of him. And I think a lot of times with life, that is the case. Life is a beast. And we need to be able to see the beauty in it. And I'm going to get into that. But first, I'm going to tell y'all one more story that's a little bit more relatable. So this was probably maybe like eight years ago now at this point. But I'm a young dude. I'm, I'm a producer. Not only am I producing music, I'm throwing like parties at the hottest clubs in Atlanta with the hottest promoters. So like I can say publicly like, yo, I know Big Dino from Big Dino and the Metro Boys. I knew about ATL hip hop and all hip hop. I was familiar with AG, Alex. You see what I mean? So I was really feeling myself during this time, right? I wasn't necessarily living light, white, right, being responsible. And I go pick up a young lady at this time. And she hops in the car. And, you know, I'm being sinful. I'm looking at her, what she, how she looked, what she got on. And she just jamming. She listening to something on her earphone. She's like, ooh, yeah, this is hot. This is the hottest thing in the streets. I was like, oh, yeah? What's that? Let me hear that. Y'all, why this girl play my beat with some rapper on it? And it's, matter of fact, it's the beat at the beginning of this song. I'm not at the beginning of this song. At the beginning of this podcast, yo. She played that beat with somebody rapping on it. And I was like, what? Now, y'all got to remember, man, like, I was very, very, um, reactive at this point not to say that i'm no longer am but i just got more understanding and more control of my emotions and situational awareness man i went off man that's my beat yeah like so now i'm trying to tell this little chick that i'm trying to slick and press like yo that's my beat and i know it sounds like all cap i know it sounds like it's just i'm just telling her that that was a beastly situation but i saw the beauty in it and let me tell you what i did i made it my business to get online and start searching copyrights how can i copyright my stuff how can i protect my music what do i need to do so if somebody blows up i can get my check and i guarantee you this if my beats is going to be played somewhere now to where i didn't authorize it like i'm gonna be doing the the bird man hand rub man like yo i want you to hit about a million views then you're gonna have to see me so even in that moment in life a, a beastly situation i was able to see the beauty in it and I'm going to close this seg out with this, man. The Eyes of Love. It's referenced in one of the places that I go to often nowadays. The Bible. What does it mean to see through the eyes of love? Because let me tell you something. With life being as beastly as it is, with all the adversities and things that we got to overcome and look at every day that's placed before our eyes, it's real easy to develop a very cynical attitude. And it's almost like a haze, right? It'll be ominous. You'll be walking around kind of just looking at every side. And that is not like a way to enjoy yourself. thing that I try to say often is adversity makes the triumph pretty. And when I say that to people, I always go back and say, hey, check and notice that I didn't say adversity itself was pretty. Adversity makes the triumph or the victory pretty. The beast makes the beauty beautiful. So. That's what we're going to talk about in this next seg. I'm going to leave y'all with a new beat. This is season two, episode 18, Beauty and the Beast. This is LS3. This is Medicine Ball. Check this beat, and I'll be right back with y'all to wrap it up, all right? Yeah, yeah.
Welcome back, welcome back, Medicine Ball with your boy LS3 And if you ain't in shape, at least your brain should be Season 2, episode 18, Beauty and the Beast I hope y'all like that track, man Yo, my tracks be having crazy names So the name of that track is Dingus I don't know, man Let's get right back into it, man We talking about seeing Beauty and the Beast We're talking about seeing the blessings and the and the greatness and the triumphs and the victories and the life's adversities and the ugly things and the beastly things that can happen in life so i told y'all two stories in that first seg and i'm gonna keep it uh going with this one and seeing in the eyes of love so there's a couple of passages in the bible that specifically speak on being more loving being more forgiveness and i mean like Love your neighbor as you love thyself, you know, um, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and your soul and all your strength and everything that you do love, but I'm not going to bury y'all, bog y'all down too much with the religious aspect. We're just going to talk about how you can learn to see beauty and stuff. That's really like can be seen as beastly. So, uh, for instance, yesterday, um, and this is just an instance of, uh, something, you know, something that like most people, first of all, Love is not corny. Being kind and being nice, like, I mean, and even if you want to say it's corny, it's not nothing to be shameful of. It's only corny because we're in a world where, like, that's looked at as weird. Being nice, being kind, being loving is looked at as weird. So I'm going to say that first. It's not corny. Like, if you think it's corny or you fighting it, like, there's something else going on. But yesterday, you know, in the midst of me doing my little weekly smoothie, LS3 smoothie, if you got my newsletter, you getting some of these, uh, ingredients in some of these uh directions to put these smoothies together but um like i don't want to necessarily like go through the cleaning of the kitchen every time i go to make my salads or my smoothies or cook or whatever but it's a discipline thing right and even in it like it's tedious to sit there and have to chop up the strawberries but even in me doing that like and you could get to this point i'm chopping the strawberries i'm like yo this look like a heart and i posted it and it's like most people might not even look at that. And that's because you're not looking through the eyes of love. So I want to talk about how to like be more empathetic, be more understanding, because, again, none of this stuff that I give you guys is a, is a cure all. It's not a reviving potion that's going to like heal you 100 percent and handle every situation. It's just another way to get towards exercising your mind and becoming more flexible. Palm tree life. The more flexible you are, the more tools you have at your disposal. So the first thing in seeing through the eyes of love is empathy. I talked about this on many other episodes. I made the difference between empathy and sympathy. And I almost ex- and I explained how I almost feel like it's almost like a, a mutant X power. The way that I'm able to like really shift my whole vibe, feelings, understanding and vision to the person that I'm dealing with. And one thing that you could do to immediately start strengthening your uh, empathy is not put yourself in the shoes of that person. But imagine that person putting their self in your shoes. Let me explain that. So if you're going through something rough or you're agitated or you're frustrated about something or maybe you just got some bad news and this interaction is really more of a distraction to you. It's just more of an annoyance to you. Put that person in your shoes. Be like, yo, I wonder how they would feel if they really knew that I was going through all of that. Right. And then look at that reflection of that person. And then deal with it accordingly. And that's the way that I can explain it to people. So anything that you're going through, because uh, what it ultimately is, and I'm going to be real with y'all, it's a sense of entitlement. 
It's the sense of thinking that our problems, our issues and the things that we're facing is more important than anybody that we run into. Like what we got going on is just like needs to be addressed right there. It's a false sense of entitlement. So when I talk about empathy and really understanding that person, the easiest way for people who struggle with that is imagine the person that you're dealing with, how they would feel if they had put themselves in your shoes and then reflect that. Look at that person who now knows your story and think about what they might be thinking about and then be like, whoa, oh, well, what about their story? It, it, it will get you thinking because here's the thing. It's not so much as the feeling or the sensation. When we say things like put yourself in the other person's shoes or my example, imagine the person standing in your shoes, how they would think. The whole key to that is that it slows you down and it starts a thought process. And that's what we want to do here at Medicine Ball. We want you to think before you react as opposed to just reacting off of instinct because your instinct might not always be pure. So what it does is it allows you to slow down and begin a thought process, which is really thoughtfulness of the other person, because now you're trying to take into accordance what they maybe have going on. So I'll give you all a quick example. So I'm dealing with my phone company and um, the Customer service has been so atrocious that they've escalated me to where I have an executive agent I can reach out to directly if I have any issues, right? I've built up a rapport with this person. I've been very patient with this person. I know I've been patient, so I'm not patting myself on the back, but I was purposely patient. And um, when I reached out to him about a recent problem that I had, the response that I received from them was one that I immediately knew this person has something more going on in their life. Or they must be going through something else. And you can get to that point if you start being like, hey, the the, the tactic I told you, imagine how they would feel if they knew what you were going through and then reflect that. So you know what I did? I didn't return that energy. I didn't get feisty with her. I didn't say anything rude. I just stopped emailing her. And about a week later, she called me and she was like, yo, Mr. Scott, I just wanted to clear it up. Like, I had some things going on. Long story short. You know what I mean? And we're human. And we was cool. We moved on past it. And I'll give you one even more. Because I was so patient in dealing with her and because I accepted her being human, she did the extra step for something she initially blew off. She went ahead and followed up and took the next step. Shout out to Jennifer for that. But you have to start doing that with empathy in everything you do. If you ever like, you know, I know me, me and my dad have a weird relationship. And this dude do a lot of stuff that just like used to annoy me. Right. But now it's just like, because of my empathy practice and finding beauty in the beast, first of all, this dude is 70-something years old. I want to say, like, darn near 80 years old. This dude is paid the cost to be the boss. If this man want to walk around and hum his 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 loudest, got to keep on loving me, loving me. If he want to sing that joint every single day, let him do that. Because there's beauty in that. Because I know the day will come when I will pray to hear my father's voice singing those songs and being happy. So it's like, I'm sure I do stuff that makes him mad. Like, my music be loud sometimes. Sometimes I run around screaming out Hadouken and little video game sound effects. And he's probably like, this dude is a nut. But I'm able to stop and realize, yo, just like somebody might do something to aggravate or agitate you, um, ditto. All right? You're probably doing the same. That's number one with empathy. Uh, the second thing to piggyback right off of that is awareness. I always talk about this, but the more that I bring awareness to situational awareness, I realize how much people lack situational awareness certain situations 
and again, as I go into this awareness part, if you're the person who's exercising your brain, if you're the person who's maybe a little bit more logical and reasonable and amicable, the responsibility is on you to carry these low because you know better. You feel me? If you know better and you have these strategies and tactics, it is the responsibility is on you. I want to make that clear. All right. All right. Number two, awareness, self-awareness. You got to be aware of situations, man. If something crazy happens, just like with that, that, that customer service rep I was talking about, you have to know and you can only do this when you invest into people, into each person as a unique individual in a unique relationship. You got to know when something is just off. If you're dealing with the nice church lady and every week for 50 years, she's been nice to you. And one week you come in there and you ask for the peppermint. She'd be like, I ain't got it. Buy your own. You got to be aware enough to know like, yo, immediately, boom, something's not right. You got to be aware of that immediately. And then that will start you into finding the beauty and the beast. Um, I've had that situation happy. Her name was Miss West. She was like the sweetest old lady ever. I'm not going to call her old lady. She was the sweetest lady ever. And it's just like. I don't even know what they call that position, but she was always at my church and she would be wearing like this. I don't want to call it an outfit, but it looked like a nurse outfit. Right. And she would always have a peppermint and stuff. And one week I came in there and she, she, she kind of snapped at me and I had come to find out that she was having issues with her grandson. That ended up being a place for me to see beauty in a beastful situation. I didn't get mad at her. I didn't judge her. I was like, yo, this person has built up enough equity with me of being a sweet person. And I'm going to see what's going on. And like, long story short, I ended up being like her stand-in grandson. Off of her saying, yo, get your own peppermints. You got to have awareness of situations. And when you walk and write with the right foundation, God, Jesus, or whatever your religious belief is, something that's good, not evil, right? You're not going to let stuff like that slide. You'll start to open up. So that's the other one. You got to have awareness and not only awareness of the other person. You got to have awareness of yourself. If you're in an antsy or frustrated or agitated mood, like I get in them joints a lot. And you know what I do? I don't talk to people during that time or I'm extra careful in what I'm saying. I'm very my like my, my, my senses get heightened and they're alert to my mood. And like nobody deserves that because I'm going through something and they don't even know awareness. The last thing. Shout out to Rich Humble. The, you you got to be the beast who wants to hide up under the table and put the makeup on and not be celebrated initially when they come out and do their final curtain call. You got to be selfless. You have to be selfless. And again, my representation is Jesus and God. Like, y'all don't know nobody, and I'm speaking for anybody listening to this. Y'all don't know nobody who's going to allow somebody to take their son and kill their son, disrespect and disobey them and not immediately get revenge. I don't know nobody like that. I know some dope people. I don't know anybody like that who's going to give up their child to make sure that you straight and then let you disrespect them while it's going on and not immediately retaliate. If y'all know somebody like that, let me know. You know, the only person I know about that is the big guy. So you have to be selfless, you know, um, a lot of times when I get into certain situations, like I save people the trouble, like I might be talking to somebody about something and I can I am aware that a lot of things I do are just like unorthodox out of kindness. Like I get people who like hit me up on Facebook Messenger, right? Never heard the podcast, never subscribed, didn't even take the time to go look at my profile and see what I got going on. And they feel confident enough and comfortable enough with me to ask them, yo, music advice or something like that. Right. 
I could get on my high horse and be like, well, you don't even subscribe to the podcast. You don't know me. You ain't even go look at my accolades before you come in my inbox saying something that somebody should see as disrespectful. I don't do that. I use that as an opportunity to be selfless. And I ain't even going to lie. It's a lot of young ladies. And I have to clear it up with them quickly. Like, yo, listen, this is just where I'm at in my life trying to do what God wants me to do. I don't want nothing from you. I know you're weary because you're asking me these questions and I'm answering them and I haven't asked for your phone number. I ain't asked how old you were. None of that. I do that all the time. I have exes that I talk to now who are in situations and like, I'm just like, yo, maybe there's some emotion there, but are you trying to work it out with your significant other? If so, you don't need to talk to me. Or if you just got to talk to me, I'm going to start questioning you like, well, are you trying to work it out? You want counseling? Have you seek counseling? I'm going to be that guy. You got to be selfless. If you guys do these three things, it will allow you to see beauty in the beast. You will realize that hiding up under that table to say your lines and being such a big part of this play, this thing we call life, is actually very admirable. And as long as you humble yourself and always look to do well and do good towards others first, you will be in a good place. Let's turn this thing called life, which can often seem a beast, into a beauty, all right? Before we get out of here, you know what time it is. If you made it to the end of this podcast, yo, as far as the Xbox drawing, it's going to be back at the beginning. I I hope you made it through because the question is going to be, what role did I play in Beauty and the Beast? All right, I'm dropping in here first. Outside of that, if you're going through something rough or it seems like it's just like no hope and you're getting helpless or down on yourself, don't do that. Don't do that. I don't know you, but I believe in you. Keep your head up. Push for one more day. You got this. All right? I love you. Yo, y'all know where y'all can find me. Medicine Ball LS3. Uh, MedicineBallLS3.com. If you want to go to the landing page, a little baby website, I'm still working it up. I ain't going to hold y'all too long. I'll be really focusing on 30 minutes or less. It's a little bit over, but I had to tell y'all I believe in y'all. Thank you for the support. I love y'all. Till next week, this is Medicine Ball, Season 2, Episode 18, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.